news continues, so let's hand over to Chris for Cuomo Primetime. All right, John, appreciate it. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. The Arbery murder case now in the hands of the jury. We have a special guest tonight, one of the lead defense attorneys as the nation awaits this verdict. His name is Kevin Guff. Uh, You know him. You know him from this show. You know him uh, from all his appearances now on television during the trial. Uh, He became controversial with what he said about black pastors and uh, worrying about them being in the courtroom of this trial for the killing of an unarmed black man on a jog in Georgia. Now, that was a suggestion that many took to have a racial bent. And the prosecution seized on it today in their closing argument. The defendants never, ever said citizen's arrest. They never, ever said we're making an arrest. They never said we saw him commit a crime. So, ladies and gentlemen, where in the world did the citizen's arrest thing come from? Because it didn't come from the defendants on February 23rd, 2020. Did Ahmaud Arbery commit any offense in the presence of any of these defendants? The answer to that is no. Boom. Citizen's arrest is gone. When three people chase an unarmed man in two pickup trucks with guns in order to violate his personal liberty, who gets to claim, I'm not really responsible for that? They know what they did, and they know why they did it. It's not a mystery to them. When you come back with your guilty verdict, all you're doing is telling them, we know what you did too. And they know why they did it. How large will that question loom in the jurors' minds? How difficult is this case for them? Nine counts for each of these three defendants, 27, right? They have to deliberate on. Travis and Greg McMichael, William Roddy Bryan. Also, remember this, no matter what happens in this trial, the men are facing federal charges as well, including hate crimes. So double jeopardy doesn't apply. Even if they are acquitted, that federal case may go forward. Now, the counsel with us tonight represents Brian, who helped trap Arbery with his vehicle in February 2020, according to authorities, before Travis McMichael shot him. He provided key evidence, did Roddy Bryan, in this trial and on this show, recording the killing on his cell phone. Listen to what he told us on this program right before he was charged in May of last year. Your decision to videotape this may be what makes all the difference in the administration of justice in this case. Are you aware of that? Yes, sir. Uh, If there wasn't a tape, then we wouldn't know what happened. And how do you feel about that? I I would. Uh, I hope that it, in the end, brings justice to the family. Well, a video may very well help bring justice to the Arbery family. Now, Counselor Guff argued in court his client was only armed with that cell phone. He didn't know Arbery was going to be shot. But the prosecution made the case for why it thinks Brian is just as guilty as the others. But for his actions, would Ahmad still be alive? If he had not helped to stop Ahmad with his Silverado, would Ahmad still be alive? The answer is, yes, he would have been. Mr. Bryan played a substantial and necessary part in causing his death. He is responsible for the murder of Ahmad Arbery. Let's bring in the counselor for William Roddy Bryant, Kevin Guff. Uh, counselor, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here, Chris. How are you doing? 
Um, better than I deserve. Why do you believe that the jury should not hold your client as responsible as the other two men? Well, you know, uh, I don't really want to get into the details or try and summarize an hour and 45-minute closing argument. But, you know, the question here is, when did Roddy Bryan know uh, that the McMichaels were armed? When did Roddy Bryan know that they intended to shoot Mr. Arbery? And at that point, what could Mr. Bryan have done about it? Those were the three questions that I asked repeatedly. And uh, we're still waiting for answers on that. How do you expect them to get around uh, the Georgia law that every person concerned in the commission of a crime is party there too? Meaning, even if you don't have the gun, even if you don't pull the trigger, if you're part of what turns into a homicide, you are just as responsible as everybody else. Well, uh, and that's exactly what a good prosecutor would say and what a good prosecutor would argue. And I think we can agree that the... uh, Arbery family in this case is represented by some very capable attorneys from the Cobb County District Attorney's Office. But at the same time, Chris, given your legal background, I'm sure you appreciate that the parties to the crime statute, particularly the one in Georgia, in this situation would require that Roddy intentionally help them commit the crime. And he didn't do that. And that's what the evidence shows. At the time of this shooting, as I've said many times, Roddy Bryan was a witness to the shooting. And indeed, He is the witness to the shooting, and it's his video uh, that will allow this jury to try and sort out what justice means in this case uh, between uh, the Arbery family uh, and the McMichaels. And I've said all along, that's not for me to decide. That's not for Roddy Bryan to decide. That's uh, that's above our pay grade. We got 12 jurors here. We got a great, diverse, very thoughtful, attentive jury. You've been watching them during the trial, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. They've been taking notes. They've been very diligent. They've now got the evidence, and they're going to deliberate. They're going to continue tomorrow. Uh, And, you know, all we can do is hope and pray uh, that they reach a true verdict. Uh, And I think that's all we can hope for from our criminal justice system and from these 12 fine men and women of Glynn County. You got three problems. One, uh, he was in one of the vehicles that was trying to stop Arbery. It becomes what you and I know as a chain of battery, uh, that he became part of the behavior that wound up leading up Uh, to the shooting. We'll see what the jury thinks about that. Uh, One thing that you know, and I just want to make sure that the audience understands, the Arbery family doesn't have any lawyers in that courtroom. This isn't the Arbery family against the the Arbery family. The Arbery family is the most well-lawyered family in America right now. I I don't know where you get that idea. Counselor, counselor, this case is the prosecution on behalf of the people. This is a crime against the community. This isn't about Arbery's versus McMichael's. This is Arbery as a victim, and the crime is against the state. The crime is against the community. The crime is against Hold the law. Hold on, laws. Chris. Hold on now. You, you, you've been watching the same trial I have. There are three very, very capable lawyers from the Cobb County District Attorney's Office sitting there at counsel table. Linda Dunikoski has lit the courtroom on fire mm. every opportunity she gets. Paul, Larissa, they have all done an outstanding job. And that's just the three in the front of the courtroom. I, you, maybe you've not been to Cobb County. Cobb County has an incredible district attorney's office. 
It's deep, it's well-staffed, it's well-funded. And? These people are here, and they mean business. Yeah, they but, are, the, but they're the not there the just for the arborists. have been incredibly well-represented. First of all, it's not, but I can't believe well, you're you saying this. Well, you're asking me about the... Uh, I, can't, I can't believe you're saying say this. What, I really can't. You can't believe what? That I, I'm standing the prosecution, up and, and, and acknowledging the that prosecu- the Cobb County DA's office has done an incredible no, that's not job what you in said. this case? That's not what you said. What you said was that the Arbery family has great lawyers. This isn't about just the Arbery's. This is about the whole community that was wronged when their laws are broken and well, someone is killed case, illegally. In this case, the Cobb... In this case, the Cobb County District Attorney's Office represents the victim and their family in this case. And they are well represented. They represent the people and they are advocates for the rights of the victim. You know that. And I feel like that takes me to my third point, which is why are you trying to make this so intensely personal about Ahmad Arbery? Why bring up black pastors and their presence and what you know is a public accommodation being this courtroom? And that you don't have a say in who comes and who doesn't come and observe. Why make that point? Why do you think about pastors in terms of black and white? I don't think of pastors in terms of black and white. And let's be clear. If you were in that courtroom sitting in my chair representing Roddy Bryan, you'd be doing exactly the same thing. No, I wouldn't. So if it helps, if it helps uh, you to make that point, you can. But if you were sitting there, you'd be doing exactly the no, same thing. No, I wouldn't. Thing. As you, would you know, you don't even have a right to do it. defense lawyer in America. No, they wouldn't. To say you really? can't be in the gallery? Really? Well, to, you know. To say I don't want black people in the gallery? Based on the law that you're... T- I'm sorry. I didn't say that. Though we have no problem with black people being in the gallery. Never did. Never will. Black Read pastors. the motions, Chris. Do the homework. Black pastors? Millions of Americans across this country are looking to you to understand these proceedings. Why don't you take the time and actually help them? Why don't you read the motions? Why don't you read the Supreme Court cases from the United States Supreme Court that we cited? Why don't you explain say, to me, explain to the American that say people, that people, why the opinion of Supreme Court justices counselor, doesn't matter in this case? Because we think it does. Counselor, saying a lot is not the same as saying something that matters. You can flood the zone. The interview doesn't end. What we I'm can say- agree on that. What I'm saying is this. There is no Supreme Court case that says you can make a determination of who can be in the gallery watching a trial on the basis of race. You and I both know that. What you the said Supreme black Court pastors, has said you confused right Jesse, Jesse Jackson with Al paramount. Sharpton, and it seemed at a minimum a fit of ignorance, and at maximum, you making a race play in this trial. Were you not doing that? Chris, you can call me, Chris, you can call me ignorant. You can call me anything you want. But I'm here representing Roddy Bryan, and I'm going to defend my client to the best of my ability. And I don't really care whether the people in the cheap seats like it or not. I'm here for one person, and that's Roddy Bryan. That's my job. And I know you respect that. And I'm sorry that we disagree on this issue. But I'm not going to back down from insisting that Roddy Bryan receives a fair trial. And we have a judge who's working very hard to ensure that. The Cobb County DA's office is working very hard to ensure Mm -hmm. that. We have a sheriff here who's working very hard to ensure to make the best of a difficult situation. And I hope that you can appreciate all that effort. I'm pretty sure the Arbery family appreciates those efforts to ensure that their son receives a fair trial. And I hope everyone can appreciate that. Any victim of a crime is supposed to get this kind of representation. Uh, The Arbery's just getting what's due. Somebody uh, in this situation. And the judge felt no differently about what you said about black pastors than I am presenting to you right now. And I'm not calling you ignorant. I'm saying the statement was. Is a difference. But, Counselor, I appreciate well, you. Uh, 
Chris, let me put it to you this way. Yeah. If, 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 if when every time a police officer is killed, we're going to allow the police department to stack the courtroom with uniformed police officers, I think you'd agree that that would be inappropriate. I would also you not? Would, I also would, would you ass- not? I don't know that it would be inappropriate, but I know it's not an analogy. Having black pastors there uh, to support the family, I don't think is going to have a chilling effect on a jury, uh, nor should it. But, Counselor, I got to go. Well, I appreciate you taking well, the time. Well, we, we can respectfully disagree. Thank you for your time, it's sir. The only way to disagree is respectfully. Thank you for coming on the show. Kevin Guff, that's the counsel for Roddy Bryan. Now, what I want to do is let's talk to somebody else who understands the game of litigation very well. Another criminal defense a lawyer. What does he think of counsel's arguments? What does he think of this point? And then we'll get to the real business. What is going to happen here? Does he believe this will be a quick deliberation? He's walking up on me. He might as well shake his hand. Joey Jackson, everybody, when we come back. <laughs> Hard questions. What do you think? Is the Arbery murder trial a tough call for the jury? They've got to sort through a number of interlocking charges. You just heard counsel there, Kevin Guff, the attorney for William Roddy Bryan. Could his client's fate be different from the father and son who initiated the chase? Do you think any of them could go free? Let's ask an expert. Joey Jackson. I said it the other night, but I say it twice because I mean it. I am thankful for you. Thank you. Uh, You are a gift on and off camera. I appreciate Appreciate that. Thankful for you, too. Let's go in reverse. Um, What you heard from counsel. What's your take on uh, the moves he's made here? I think it's a little troubling. Look, I get as an attorney, you have an obligation to zealously represent your client. But I think you also have an obligation to understand the facts and understand the law. On the issue of the law, it's not about what happens outside the courtroom that's relevant. It's not about what's happening inside the gallery that's relevant. It's about or anywhere in that courtroom other than the witness stand. He knows and understands that the jury will be instructed on that issue. Not going to consider sympathy, not going to consider punishment, not going to consider what happens outside, who's wearing what shirt, who's whatever color. Consider what the witnesses say. Consider what video you see. Consider the evidence that comes out. And as an officer of the court, you have to know and understand that. And I get he's defending his client as a way to do it. I think that surpasses it, and I don't think it's appropriate. And for him to suggest to you, hey, if you were in my seat, you'd do the same thing, I certainly wouldn't. And, uh, you know, I, I just think I'm him a little saying disappointed. saying the Supreme Court cases, we quoted, we cited the cases, there's authority. When has the Supreme Court ever said, that you can make determinations about who could be in a gallery on the basis of race? Not to my knowledge. The Supreme Court says you deserve a fair trial. That fair trial certainly is something that everyone's entitled to. I don't know that the fact that Jesse Jackson is present or Al Sharpton is present or anyone else would deny your client a fair trial. I don't know that anyone protesting outside or otherwise expressing prayer or being in a vigil or anything else would deny your client a fair trial. It's you that has the obligation as the attorney to do the trial. And on that notion, why not make an opening statement with respect to your theory of the case? Why not, after every witness testifies, say to those witnesses, sir, you know that my client, right, you represented this case, didn't you? You are an investor. Investigator, You investigated and you were aware that Roddy Bryan, he didn't see a gun. He didn't know that Travis had a gun. He didn't know that Greg McMichael had a rifle, etc. He just followed along after the fact. And in fact, he cooperated after the fact. What am I saying? I'm saying you give your client a fair trial, not by focusing on what the pastors do, but by focusing on your job, by having a theory, by attacking witnesses, by listening evidence that would be sympathetic to your client for the jury, not by extraneous facts that have no relevance. And that's my point. Well, and like a very good defense attorney, you left out a bad fact, which is 
when he was in that car, he was part of trying to stop Ahmaud Arbery. And does that for the jury put him into the mix in a way where he loses the benefit of what he knew was going to happen or didn't know because he helped start it? So I think that there's a lot of bad facts for the defense, without question. And I think that all of them will be All of them equally? You think all three will be equally? I do. uh, Convicted. Not equal charges, but all convicted. Yes. Uh, And here's why I do, right? And I say this objectively, not as a matter of the community, you know, Levin White. And also that we don't know. It's hard to read. It's hard to read. Always is. Jurors are going to do their job. But what is my concern if I'm the defense? Number one, the citizen's arrest law. The citizen's arrest law speaks to the crime. What crime was committed that you can point to? What was committed in your presence? What did you have immediate knowledge of? Don't talk to me about burglaries in October. Don't talk to me about boats and ships and what happened weeks before. That day, did you have any evidence that Ahmaud Arbery was doing anything, much less a felony? So that would concern me because if you don't implicate and use that statute, then how do you justify detaining him, stopping him, and otherwise killing him? him. If you don't have if you don't have that, then you don't have self-defense. But here's another thing that should concern them greatly. What should concern them is the issue of self-defense. If you're the initial aggressor, you don't get the benefit. If you're engaging in a felony like aggravated assault, like false imprisonment, you don't get the benefit of self-defense. And in the event you're provoking because you're pointing a rifle, you don't get that benefit. So that concerns me. Last point. And that is on the issue of Roddy Bryan. He's not similarly situated. He's in a different place. I think, in my view, everyone does things differently, Chris. No one has a monopoly on wisdom. But if you're going to attack and say he's not similar to the other two, and you're going to attack the McMichaels, do that. Make that your theory from the outset. Raise doubt on that issue. Don't wait for your closing statement. Wave your opening statement and not cross-examine on the basis of your theory. I think if that were done, there could be a different outcome, and there could still be a different outcome. Uh, but I just think not enough was done to raise the specter of doubt as to any of those defendants. I see a verdict tomorrow. Well, I, I'll tell you what. That will make sense if for no other reason of any of you just said, as cogent as it all was, Thanksgiving's coming. And people want to get home. That's right. They want this off their plate so they can have something else on their plate. And I'm not saying that out of disrespect. It's just human nature. People want to get on with their lives as well, even on the jury. That's a fact. Friday verdicts. And tomorrow, it's not Friday, but it's Friday. That's right. Right? It's a holiday. Christopher, happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you. Thank you. Joey Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, the OAO, the one and only. It is Thanksgiving Eve, and I'm taking advantage of it. It is my favorite holiday. In fact, it's really the only one I care about. On the religious side, I like Easter. But... For these types of occasions, nothing beats Thanksgiving. Many count their blessings. I go bigger than that. I'm thankful for all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly. Why? A lot of reasons. But the one that matters most? It was cemented to me by the life example of our next guest, one of the most special people I have come across in this world. The bird is back and she ain't no turkey. Nightbird is here. The America's Got Talent superstar. She left that competition to take on a much more important one against cancer. She's got a big update. I just want to see her face. I just want to hear her words. And I know you do, too. Next. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Wow. People say a lot of things, but few walk the walk like our next guest. You know her and I know her as Nightbird. Now, you'll remember she's the courageous woman who, while battling cancer, went to audition for America's Got Talent earlier this year. 
And all alone, she did it. Not only did she do it, not only was she impressive, she earned the golden buzzer from Simon Cowell for her performance. Watch. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. If you're lost, we're all a little lost, and it's all right. Oh, it's all right to be lost sometimes. Your voice is stunning. Mm-hmm, it is. Absolutely stunning. And I, I totally agree with what Howie said, you know, about authenticity. There was something about that song after the way you just almost casually told us what you're going through and, oh, you know. You can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. I'm not going to give you a yes. I'm going to give you something else. Now, I have to tell you, everybody loses it when they see that moment. My phone is blowing up right now when people heard that Nightbird is on. I got to tell you, that's not the moment that gets me when it comes to this young lady. It is all about, the moment that gets me is every time I talk to her and I hear in her voice how much fight there is, no matter what she's against. She left that competition to fight cancer. And that's why she's an inspiration to me and to so many millions around the world. Her words hit like a heart punch. Powerful truth about finding the resolve to fight no matter what you're against. She wrote recently, I'm not sure if I know how to fight for my life, but I do know how to open my eyes in the morning, and that's not nothing. I don't know exactly what it sounds like when God talks, but I recently started remembering my name because I heard myself whisper, Jane, you're so loved. Indeed, she is, and for all the right reasons. And she joins us now. There she is. Hello, Nightbird. Hi, Chris. It's so good to be here. It's good to see you. So what do you want them to know? How are we doing, kid? Well, you know what? I wish we would get a faster miracle, but um, it's happening slow, little by little, day by day. I'm getting a little better. I did get a scan result back, and uh, a bunch of stuff that was there has now disappeared. And a bunch of the really big stuff has gone down in size. So um, we're on the way. How do you feel about it all? My goodness. Uh, it's a lot to process. The, the, high, the, the highest highs and the lowest lows of my life all happening at the same time. And um, all of this playing out um, in front of millions of people is really, um, it's, a, it's, a lot to, it's a lot to carry, but it's also such an honor because um, the whole world is carrying their own world is carrying their own their own weight and we, we get to learn how to do this together are you comfortable enough with the struggle to continue to dare to dream about what happens next <laughs> yeah yeah i think life sometimes is a game of choose your pain so um uh the pain of uh continuing or the pain of giving up so the pain of continuing uh, 
there's a lot more uncertainty that way. But I think the pain of giving up is so much worse. You said you wrote about dreams of singing to the whole world at once. You said, this is the dream. I'm in it. It's happening now. How so? Well, I, it's funny because uh, I've dreamed about singing my entire life, you know, and I, I dreamed about growing up and dazzling the world and being this amazing um, singer and being so beautiful and confident and, and brave and all of that. And uh, <laughs> I didn't think that it would play out this way. I think a lot of us uh, don't realize that we're in the middle of a dream come true because life is so imperfect and there's so much hard stuff and unfair stuff mixed in. Sometimes we don't recognize that our dreams are happening and miracles are happening. And uh, the miracle that I wanted is that I could skip the pain, you know, mm. that this would go away, you know, super fast. Um, or maybe, uh, you know, that it wouldn't have happened at all. And I didn't get that miracle, not yet. Um, but there's a hundred other miracles. And if I, if I only take the ones that taste sweet, I won't get any miracles at all. So I'm grateful for, for what I have. Well, you should be tasting whatever you can because you need to gain weight. That's what I talk to you about most of the time. <laughs> That's how simple my medical practice is. Keep eating. Keep. Uh, what does Thanksgiving mean for you this year? Well, every year that I, every year that I get to gather around the table with people that I love, um, it's such a, it's such an honor and a gift. Um, I shouldn't, I should not be alive right now based on the usual statistics. So every year when this time comes around, it's special for the whole family. Have you gotten used to how heavy a truth that is, right? Everybody talks about life and death, you know, over the most trivial things. That is totally normal. And for you to say, I'm not supposed to be alive right now is a 100% accurate statement. Yeah. How do you deal with that emotionally? Hmm. Well, I think every, every moment that we breathe is a miracle and a gift. Most people don't know what a joy it is to wake up in the morning um, without pain because they've just experienced, uh, you know, maybe a normal life. But those like me who um, face death on a day-to-day basis, um, sometimes I think we're the luckier ones because we get to really see the sweetness of life and and the miracle it is to love and be loved and um, to to dream and to have a, you know, the chance at a future. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get used to the weight of that. Or um, I don't know if I'll ever, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it'll ever become casual to me again, just to live. You got big things happening. I'm compromised because I know things and I can't say things. Um, but that's <laughs> on you. Um, but you are writing and you are planning on putting together uh, what really will be a magnum opus. You know, every songwriter and singer has their whole life to do their first album, and then you'll probably get like four months to do your second one. But you are working on what you hope is really the collection of songs you've ever always wanted to write. How's the writing, and how strong is the voice? 
Um, I'm so proud of everything I'm writing right now. Um, again, pain can be a gift because it really, really drives you to deep places to, to dig for gold. Sometimes you got to dig really, really deep for gold. Um, and that's, that's what I've been doing. I'm really proud of the stuff that I'm, I'm working on. And uh, the voice is getting there. Today, I actually sang a lot. And even, it, even though it's not up to 100%, I'm just so happy to be singing. I could not stop smiling today. I love it. I love it. I love all of it. I love the way you approach the struggle. I look forward to talking to you. I love checking in with you. And I love what you mean uh, to this audience and every audience that's lucky enough uh, to be exposed to what you're about, your art, but also the art that you put into your everyday life. Um, You're a special kid. I tell you that all the time because I mean it. And I am thankful for you, Nightbird. I will speak to you on Thanksgiving, I'm sure. But I am thankful for you and that you've been a gift to my audience of perspective. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's amazing to, to share this with, with the world and with your audience. I'm honored. The honor is mine, to be sure. And you have big news coming for people, and I can't wait for you to break it. <laughs> and I will be with you in spirit and in body all along the way. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Bye. Nightbird. We'll be right back. News on a story that's no longer in the headlines, but you can't forget. Brian Laundry, even in death, he took something away from the, the family of Gabby Petito. The opportunity for answers. A Florida medical examiner did confirm, though, that Laundry shot himself in the head. That's how he died. Gabby's family is now left without any good options for piecing together the chain of events and decisions that robbed them of the 22-year-old Long Island, New York native. They're left with fractions, little bits of moments, partial understanding. Their daughter crying in the back of a police car in Utah, interspersed with snapshots that she shared with the world on social media and she and Brian documented during their cross-country van trip. In a statement, the Petito family says it's been asked not to make any comments because the FBI is still investigating and the U.S. Attorney's Office has not determined if anyone will be charged. Now, we'll have to see if that investigation can go any further. And if there are any clues in the evidence found, like a notebook that was near Brian Laundrie's body, or if the obvious evolves into a reality, which is Laundrie's parents. What do they know about what happened to Gabby Petito? The idea that their son said nothing to them is almost incredible at this point. Why else would they have gone quiet on the Petito family? Why else would they not speak to authorities? Today's announcement answers one final question, but it leaves many more unanswerable. Now, to the harsh realities of this world, let's cast our eyes above into the possibilities of the great beyond. There is a spacecraft that's going to be launched tonight on a collision course with an asteroid. I know I saw the movie too, but this is the real deal, man. It's the first ever mission. Something right out of sci-fi, but it's all too real. And I have the man who can explain it better than anybody. Here he is. He's such a big deal. He's got three names. (laughs) Neil deGrasse Tyson next. Ready for you. (laughs) What is this thing? It's an asteroid, sir. How big are we talking? 
Sir, our best estimate is 97.6 billion. It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. What kind of damage are we... Damage? Total, sir. It's what we call a global killer. The end of mankind. Doesn't matter where it hits. Nothing would survive, not even bacteria. My God. What do we do? I'll tell you what we do now. There's 23 years since that classic scene in Armageddon, right? NASA is finally answering the question for real, or at least it's trying to. They're going to launch a first test mission to deflect an asteroid. How? Well, you think I know? I have this animation for you that they're sending. But much more importantly, I have Neil deGrasse Tyson with us. Uh, Nobody understands the science, but also the practicality of this the way Neil does. And it's a pleasure to have you as always. Thank you. Back on. Pleasure, 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 pleasure. So I I can't believe you let off with Armageddon, which violates more laws of physics per minute than any other movie ever made. You know what? (laughs) We are all too dumb to know that except for you, Neil. (laughs) Don't go ruining the dream. That's why people want to know about it. Just a reality check on our pop culture. I'm just upset it was Bruce Willis. I don't like to see him go down in anything. All right, so let's talk about what this is uh, with the man himself right now. uh, Here we are, okay? So what did they find that gives us such a great test subject here? So what we have going on here is we have the inner solar system, Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars, and then we have Jupiter. And all these, uh, this like spirograph, oops, this is, That's a live, okay. this is a live board. Don't worry, you're only a physicist. Oh, this is Don't cool. be afraid of it. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Knock yourself out. There we go. Okay. That's great. <laughs> so There's 30 we, years we're school. live here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is the asteroid belt. And so it's a region of countless hundreds of thousands of asteroids, each with its own independent orbit around the sun. Some of them cross Earth's orbit or come very near to us. And we call those NEOs, near-Earth objects. And so one of them, comes near enough to Earth to do this redirect experiment. Otherwise, you'd waste a lot of energy going so far out into the solar system. And so th- it's the DART mission, the Double Asteroid Redirect Test. So let's look at it here. Um, yeah, good. This is it. Uh, the, the next one will say what that is, the DART mission. Yes. All right, so this is what they found. They identified this. And why do you? why are you so appreciative of what they found here as a model for this experiment? Yeah, it's a great question. Because if you just try to deflect a random asteroid, so many things influence an asteroid. Solar heating on one side versus another. It could hit another object. Whereas this is a double asteroid. I mean, we think of Earth and the moon as a binary system. This is a binary asteroid. There's a big one and there's a little one. And so we have their orbital parameters perfectly understood. So if you go in and just deflect the moon, even by the tiniest amount, you can compare the future data with your data from the past, and you can accurately measure what effect your mission had on the trajectory of that moon. Just because I am always worried about myself, is there any remote possibility that they're tracking right now about something that may, this may happen, or is this just to know what you could do? It's, it's, an, it's, it's a test. It's a test of, can we change the orbit of an asteroid? And here's what you have to keep in mind. We cross the street all the time, the same streets where trucks are there, yet you don't get hit. Why? Because you're crossing at a different time. So there are three ways you can deflect an asteroid. One of them, you can slow it down. That way you pass before uh, it hits, okay? You can speed it up. 
it passes in front of you before you hit, before it hits. Or you can redirect it into some other, uh, some other point. And so, or, or you can do it Bruce Willis style and blow the sucker out of the sky. But in, <laughs> at least in America, we're good at blowing stuff up and less good at knowing where the pieces go. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you better just deflect. And so what this is going to do, I think on your next, uh, your next one, you get to see, yeah, here it comes. So here's the moon. There's the main asteroid. And here's the DART mission. It deploys a little camera and it slams into it. That will slow it down. And you said this is about the size of the Statue of Liberty? Yeah, about the size of the Statue of Liberty. It slows it down and it falls into a lower orbit around the main asteroid. And that way we can measure it. By the way, it's going to slow it down by a half a millimeter per second. And so that doesn't sound like much. But it's a total slowing down of the object. And that accumulates over time. How do they know that's what's going to happen? Well, because we know the mass of it and we know the mass. The, the thing that's hitting is 1,000 pounds. And it's going to hit it at about four miles per second. If you know all this... Well, you can calculate that. Big yeah. brain. Then why do we have to do all this? <laughs> it's always good to test. So a couple of things. We don't fully know the structure of the asteroids. Suppose it hits it and breaks off a piece, and that flies off in another direction, yet the main piece was hardly touched mm. or hardly influenced by it. So the integrity, the structural integrity of the asteroid is a very important thing to know before you start slamming into it, believing you're going to change the direction of the entire object. Um, this is very cool. And we, they, how long will it take to get the footage back to know what happened? Yeah, so we have to go greet it all right, as it comes near the Earth. Uh, that's what makes this a, a relatively fast and affordable mission. These asteroids happen to have orbits that come near the Earth. So we will intersect it as it nears the Earth. Just remember, we are launching this tonight at 1.20 a.m. Eastern Time, right? And it, we are getting launched on a moving platform, the Earth, to intersect the orbiting object of another moving platform. It will intersect it in October, early October 2022. But keep in mind, just so we can do a shout-out to the orbital dynamicists, this is going to a point in space where this asteroid will be in October in order for it to hit it. So it's not aimed for it right now. They both are on a convergent trajectory. So all this is going on. It's, it's, a, it's a marvelous, beautiful ballet. And might save the world someday. Choreographed by the forces of gravity. And once we know how to do this, and we can do it well and do it better, we'll say if we see an asteroid coming and we know it early enough, you can deflect it by the tiniest amount. Mm. And that little amount, that little drift you put in, and if you get it early enough, will accumulate and take it out of harm's way. And I expect this, if we're good at this, we can assure our own survival relative to what happened to the dinosaurs long into the future. Because you know if the dinosaurs had a space program, they'd still be here. <laughs> we, we would continue to be hors d'oeuvres running under T-Rex's feet. You would find a way to be fine. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you, everybody loves Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, he has been educating me for 20 years. I learned about global warming. He doesn't even remember. In the Natural Museum, the Museum of Natural History, Neil deGrasse Tyson helped me with a, a special at ABC News and told me, if you're going to learn about one thing in science for your job, learn about climate change. <laughs> and here you are today. Thank you so much. You're right once again Thanks, and you're a gift to the audience. I'm Thank thankful you. for you this Thanksgiving. Thank you. All right, we'll be right back with the upgrade. <laughs> that was perfect. Thanks for watching. I know I speak for the entire team when I say this Thanksgiving, we are thankful for you. Thank you for the opportunity of doing the job. Thank you for the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. 
helps us get to a better place. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Enjoy your family. Enjoy everything you can. Be thankful. Tonight, you get the upgrade. Don Lemon tonight with the upgrade. Laura Coates right now. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.